0: BLOCK TALK RADIO
1: Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, right here on BLOCK TALK RADIO. Tune in and Apple Podcast, your host, Oscar Lopez, alongside Mackenzie Brooks in the house today. We won't have Troy Wilson or uh, Luis Bean uh, or Holly Custis, but we will manage up, and we're going to be talking NFL Week 6, huge NFL Week 6, uh, Packers literally last-minute win against the Niners, big clash of, uh, of veteran versus rookie in the Chiefs versus the Patriots, and then we have all other actions, including the surprise in Dallas as the 40 to 7 beat down of the Jaguars. Uh, so it was pretty awesome there. And we're going to talk college football, which was a lot of action that happened there as well. And in the house, uh, episode 244, four, we are going to have the legendary Michelle Braun of the Minnesota Vixen, 20-year veteran of women's gridiron in the United States. And uh, she's going to be talking retirement and what she's up to now and what. Where is the state of the game in her eyes going forward for the future? And she'll be in here in the no-joke football huddle in about 15 minutes. Also, Tom Brady's 200th win. This happened this week, week six. And uh, we're going to have news and notes, recaps from all over the globe in terms of the women's American football scene uh, from Mexico as well as action. They got canceled over in Gridiron, Queensland, in Gridiron, Australia, and news and notes as well. So uh, let's bring in – the IWFL all-star in the house here, Mackenzie Brooks. And so, Mackenzie, uh, you can't be any happier if uh, Cowboys get the beatdown on the Jaguars.
2: I really, I really can't be, to be honest. I had, uh, like I said last week, I had them winning by maybe a touchdown. I did not predict a complete and total massacre beatdown of the Jacksonville Jaguars via Dallas Cowboys. That was not something I planned for.
1: You know, we've all been ever since we've been on uh, since I've been talking about it. It's like Bortles is hot and cold, hot and cold, but never consistent. And this is another moment in his little tenure that he's not consistent.
2: Yeah, and I was actually very surprised, um, mainly because Blake Bortles lately has been known to be on a hot streak for a little bit until he he, um, until he hit Dallas, and I couldn't couldn't quite. Figure it out. I was very appalled, to be completely honest with you. Um, I was, <laughs> I was more or less giggling at the fact that uh, Jalen Ramsey had nothing to say after the uh, bo- the post game interview. That was that was more elating for me than anything, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and, and it, you know what? It was. I think it was kind of a shocker to everybody, but at the same time, not. Um, you know, Prescott and found uh, I think Beasley for over a hundred yards and two TDs, so there was a good connection there. Gallup, I don't know where uh, um, Tavon Austin is, but if they can get it together there offensively, uh, they can make a run here because this NFC East is pretty tight right now.
2: Yeah, and the thing about it is, um, as far as Dallas Cowboys fan base is concerned, people are so worried about uh, the Dallas Cowboys not having a number one receiver. I'm pretty sure his name is now Cole Beasley, especially because he's he seems to be overlooked a lot because of how short he is. Um, he's five foot ten. I'm also five foot ten, so that that tells you how overlooked he can be. You know, looking at receivers like Michael Gallup or uh, Tavon Austin, who are in the six foot plus range. So I was very excited to see Cole Beasley get as many targets and receptions as he did um, that day on Sunday.
1: Now, McKenzie, nobody was shocked. I wasn't shocked. I don't think anybody was shocked that San Francisco was going to come in and play a better game. But nobody was more disappointed with uh, Kyle Shanahan than probably himself because how do you give Aaron Rodgers two minutes and the way he burned Maven on those corners with no timeouts? I mean, that to me was just he – just, he just handpicked them. That, that was it. He handpicked them. And they let it happen. How do you not play man-to-man on Adams? Just ridiculous. And that right there was the difference. If he makes one stop on those three plays, I don't think we're talking Packers win.
2: You know, I have to agree with you. And, And the thing that most teams don't seem to pick up is if you give Aaron Rodgers even a minute with as many weapons and as much talent as he has, he will score that is a thing. I mean, I hate to admit it, but that is something that happened. He will score in a minute and a half or less. It's happened before. It's happened multiple times. It it, it was displayed last night. And I, and I, to be honest, I was actually shocked because I was just like, I was pulling for the 49ers <laughs> to be completely honest, but I wasn't surprised that the game ended the way it did as far as, um, Green Bay essentially bleeding out the clock and, um, Mason Crosby uh, booting in that, that field goal uh, for the game winner.
1: If you're in San Francisco or now McKenzie, you got to just be, like, devastated because this was a good game. You played great on both sides of the ball. Breda played well on the running game, plus his complementary backs. Uh, Bethard Beth, uh, also played pretty good ball. So, you know, overall, they, this, is what, this was probably their best game of the season and just to get crushed like that just to, oh, that was just hard to take
2: yeah and especially for CJ being the starter now with uh, Jimmy G being out with his injury you have to kind of wonder what his uh i guess mental not really mental i guess more or less his his overall confidence is after that game um especially have especially after it having gone back and forth so much he would score, they would score, he would score, they would, you know, back and forth, defensive stop, defensive spot. It was just, you know, a literally all-out shootout back and forth as far as both teams were concerned. So, I mean, if, I personally, if I'm C.J. Beathard, I should be extremely happy with myself and my performance. Yes, we lost by, you know, three points, but it wasn't a blowout. They didn't, you know, they didn't shut us out. We were toe-to-toe right then, and there with one of the best in the game as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned.
1: Yeah, and you know what, the fact that they can take away this, this is a good game for them to get tuned up to get uh, to face the Rams at home. This is a good game for them to kind of get dialed in, figure out what they did. Good win, CJ, good connection there. Brita, r- good running game. I mean, there's a lot of positives to take away from the game, uh, but unfortunately you cannot give Aaron Rodgers two minutes and you cannot give, uh, you know, Devontae Adams space like that uh, with no timeouts, and they just – that, that was the difference. The amount of time you gave them, and then Crosby just punches it in for 27 yards. So um, the other game that's sort of similar to this game was Sunday night and Mahomes and company uh, coming in, a, you know, riding high, and here we are, you know, questioning the Patriots as always. Are they up? Are they down? Or, and always on, on point. And Brady literally does the same thing that uh, Rodgers did to Mahomes.
2: Yeah, and I was actually, like I said, I was pulling for uh, Casey at that point, too. Um, and most of the game had had the Patriots on their toes or on their heels. Like, that's literally it. And I, anybody who tries to tell me that that wasn't a thing didn't watch that game because New England was on their heels the entire game, especially because Pat Mahomes was just lighting them up on the deep routes, lighting them up through the middle, lighting them up through the screenplays. It was just – it was like a fireworks show watching – Patrick Mahomes just almost light up Gillette Stadium. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, to be completely honest with you.
1: McKenzie, you think uh, this is a good test for him too? One loss. This is a good test for the Chiefs to get a reality check. They don't. They lose to obviously, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback. And you give Brady the same as Rogers two minutes, and you pretty much know you're not going to just win especially if you're winning that close. So if you can't punch it in and you can't, you know, overcome it, uh, you're going to end up on the short end of the stick. And that's happened many times to other, to other quarterbacks. And I think it's a lesson learned for both uh, uh, Bethard and uh, Mahomes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think for the, both of them, uh, Bethard and Mahomes both after having played two of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever, you know, stepped foot on the field, I think they realized, you know, what they have to, work on and what they have to improve on as far as their own um, quarterback skill-wise and uh, team-wise offensively to, you know, try to match up or even beat uh, the likes of those two teams. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season wanes for both of them. I'm really excited to see how both of them excel the rest of the season.
1: Now Rams on a roll, 6-0, and only undefeated team in the NFL. Happy for me, happy for a lot of Rams fans. Um, they take care of Denver. to a very tight game to uh, to the end as well. Denver played very good defensively. Uh, Rams uh, really just, you know, get out of there, uh, especially with everything that's happening. But uh, Gurley does have a career-high 208 yards. This will be a test of uh, division test because uh, Rams face San Francisco, which we've always not played very well in San Francisco, so hopefully they don't, you know, they don't let me down here. But uh, coming off San Francisco loss against Green Bay, the Niners should be up for this home game. And then you also had uh, the dumpster fire across the bay, which is uh, the Raiders. And Seattle Seahawks, um, sad to say the owner, Paul Allen, uh, passes away. Uh, and Seattle does get the victory, 27-3. to three. And uh, so, McKenzie, what do we say of Seattle? Kind of revitalizing the last couple of weeks here. At first, we thought it was going to be somewhat of a down season. Now they've kind of rebounded a little bit here after, you know, playing the Rams the way they did. Now they come home and, um, I mean, on the road, I mean, um, they face uh, Oakland and Oakland is just a disaster. And I hate to say that, but this is Gruden, uh, Gruden year that just it's not going to matter. I think next year will probably be the real factor. This year, just just a collapse.
2: Yeah, as far as Seattle's concerned, um, I kind of have to agree with you as far as the general public, you know, thinking Seattle's season was going to be kind of a down year. Um, And now that they're starting to slowly, you know, creep back up as far as putting, you know, putting offensive series together and just all around um, starting to win games, I think now we're going to start to see what um, Russell Wilson can really do. Um, this is something he's done before as far as try to, you know, get his way back in him and his team back into the um, positive talks of the NFL.
1: One of the big games that everybody was looking at in terms of fantasy and points and scoring was uh Buccaneers Falcons, always um, the NFC South battle clash. Uh, Ryan throws for over 354 yards, three TDs. They get the edge tampa bay with winston back 34 29 they lose devontae freeman at this point so atlanta is one of those teams it's two and four uh they uh, the bucks are two and three the saints look like the team in this division that's going to stand out
2: yeah i i have to agree as far as as far as the Saints being the standout team in the, in the division, it's, it's going to be tough to, to beat Drew Brees, um, especially with him having our just now passed uh, Peyton Manning for the most passing, even the most passing yards um, as a quarterback. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how people try to, um, how teams and people try to play, um, play Drew Brees to try to, you know, stop those bomb passes he likes to throw. Um, as far as Atlanta, I, I, I actually have a little bit more faith in Atlanta because of the win that they got. Um, I've got a lot of friends that are, that are Falcons fans and I love to just, I love to stir the pot with them. But and all honesty, I, I actually have some of my faith has been restored even with having um, lost Devonte Freeman. So I'm real interested to see how things start to play out for them as well to see if Matt Ryan, you know, Throws for over 300 yards, or throws for over 250 each game he plays from now on to see, you know, if he can, you know, keep keep the Falcons in the positive talks as well.
1: One of the big games there is going to be this division. Um, this whole division is going to be something to look at because they're all they all play themselves really tight and they know each other very very well. So it's going to be nice to see in the next couple couple of weeks how, you know, which team separates themselves in terms of top dog. Um, the NFC North, on the other hand, same, same similar situation, but with a tighter feel here, Chicago, you got Green Bay, you got Minnesota, Detroit, literally, they're all pretty much in similar in terms of play, because they they all look the same, literally, they got no real offense on either, on all teams, except for, you know, some bright spots here and there by Minnesota, but uh, the Vikings go in, uh, um, Vikings beat the Cardinals, which Cardinals, I don't think uh, anybody was surprised there. Twenty-seven, uh, seventeen. Uh it's Thielen's moment, 100-plus yards in six straight games. So I don't know why you as a Viking fan would not be doing the cousin to Thielen connection more often.
2: Yeah, it seems to be that, you know, with new quarterbacks coming to, uh, you know, quarterbacks coming from one team to another seem to always have that, like, one or two or three week window where they're still trying to figure out who's going to be reliable in the game aside from who's going to be reliable in practice kind of thing. So if I'm Minnesota, I'm thinking of you know, keeping that Cousins to Thielen matchup right there because that seems to be their bread and butter. That seems to be what got them the most success thus far. So if I'm the Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator, I'm sticking with that plan.
1: All right, so let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You can go to Zazzle.com, get everything you need there, shirts, leggings, gifts, and you can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty. Subscribe to Zazzle Black. Get free shipping for about 9 bucks for the year. You can get all the stuff that we have out there, including anything else that you want to shop on Zazzle.com. Zazzle.com has been our sponsor for a long, long time. So check out Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty. You can check out everything at Zazzle.com. Let's go into the huddle. Right now, we are going to be talking to the legendary uh, Minnesota Vixen and legendary veteran of the sports, and that will be Michelle Braun of the Minnesota Vixen. Michelle, how are you doing today? Thanks for making the time. You're on with myself and Mackenzie Brooks.
0: Hey, how are you guys doing?
1: Good. How are you? We're doing great. How are you doing hey, today, Michelle? To good. Awesome. Well, we wanted to bring you on uh, because apparently you're going to be inducted into the Women's Hall of Fame, and I thought it was a great uh, piece that they did there with the bio and your 20-year season. But on top of that, everything that's gone on in the women's game, who better to talk to you about than yourself?
0: Well, thanks. You know, I, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a fun 20 years. <laughs> what can I say?
1: It has been fun 20 years. Uh, I mean, various leagues, a lot of changes, uh, a lot of formats. Everybody seems to know what needs to be done and all this stuff, but you've lived through it. So uh, tell us a little bit about, Michelle, let's, let's talk about last season with the Vixen. Let's talk about, you know, getting to the national championship in uh, Atlanta.
0: You know, that it, last year was a great season for us. Um you know, we kind of knew that it might come down to us and the Sharks um, in the championship. You know, we knew what the Sharks were playing for, you know, their finale uh, of the, their 20 seasons. Um, you know, so we knew it was a big, big game. Um, it was a tough, bitter pill to swallow, um, you know, and it was tough to leave it all out there in the field. You know, I was, uh, when I was sitting up for that game, you know, I was telling just a couple of people, I said, you know, this might be my last game I ever play. So this was, you know, kind of for me, it was kind of, you know, melancholy, a little bittersweet. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that we weren't in the game up until the very end. I mean, we definitely had our chances and, uh, you know, you just leave it all on the field and you do the best that you can. And it just wasn't our time.
1: Michelle, that was a great game back and forth. And then towards the end, just, you know, a couple of mistakes and that's the difference in the game. But, uh, Overall, the ride from the beginning of the season all the way down to uh, Atlanta—what a historic run for you guys! And then to meet up at the end, two teams with a lot of you know uh, history in the in the U.S. game—that was just pretty impressive for you to play in. It. And then obviously, uh, they win it and give Andrea Douglas her you know her final foray and, and send off.
0: Right, yeah. You know, I mean we, we still like to we still like to say we've got one up over the Sharks because we played actually a little bit more games than them, uh, our very, very first year. Uh, even though they beat us way back a long time ago. Um, that was the one game I never got to play in. Uh was the uh I think it was thirteen to six we lost out in New York. Um, so I didn't get to play in that game. That was the only game I never got to play in as a Vixen. But um yeah, you know, it was a, it was a great game, the championship in Atlanta. It was fun. Um you know just a few few uh um, mistakes on our part, and you know that all during the all during the game, all during the season, I should say you know we felt very confident as a football team that we definitely could could win this game, and we definitely came into the mindset you know you have to come into a game of that nature of being confident if you're not going to be confident that you think you have a chance to win the game, you shouldn't even be playing in that game and You know, I don't think we were overconfident, but we were confident enough that we could play with them. Um, You know, we came to a huge historic double overtime victory uh, back at our house two years ago with essentially the same team. So um, we definitely knew it was going to be a hard game, though, and they definitely gave it to us.
1: Michelle, can you take us uh, through memory lane? Uh, For a lot of folks that don't know, you know, certain aspects of the sport, but you've lived through it. You know, since well, I think 99, 98 at this point, this is way back when it started. And can you take us a little bit about back in memory lane when you started and how the sport has changed now? I mean, you, you see it more global now. There's a lot of more interest by girls. There's girls' teams. There's uh, high school teams now. Uh, you know, back when you were growing up, probably that was never the case, kind of like the story of the Toledo Troopers. Where you know with just a handful of people or a handful of teams, now it's sort of evolved. So can you kind of take take us through that?
0: Yeah, you know it, it's amazing to think of what has transpired in 20 years. Um, you know when I was uh, when I was in high school, my high school football team, when I was a junior and senior, won the state championship, and we that was that was where kind of my dream kind of started festering because. I looked at my friends who were, you know, guys on the team that were playing at the Metrodome in Minnesota, in Minnesota going like, oh, my God, I want to go do that someday. I want to be that someday. And when in 1998 in November, you know, I see this little one-inch pad in the in the Star Tribune uh, Twin Cities newspaper to come to these tryouts at the Metrodome, oh, my God, you know, I'm a total no-brainer. You know, I'm like, totally, of course I'm going to try to be there. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, going to be 31 years old, I was like, sure, I'll will do it, and, um, you know, just to be able to be on the field, you know, there's 400 women out there. I mean, I was so nervous, and you're seeing all sorts of gals, every walk of life you can imagine, and we're all up there running these drills, and it was in the evening, and it was just like you know, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then to get the the email and the phone call saying, hey, you you know, you you made it. I want you to come to camp and and come to camp with all these women, you know. And I'm I'm driving from from you know about 75 miles away, and um, just to sit there and participate in that, and and then all of a sudden find out that I made it for sure. Um, it's amazing to see the the growth process. Now that you know, they definitely had their Intentions right. Um, you know, we started the WPFL, which is the Women's Professional Football League, and just having our barnstorming tour to try to get interest, you know, to try to gain interest because we had wanted to cash in on the Women's World Cup U.S. soccer victory. And to be able to do that, you know, you needed a lot of salesmanship. And the two gentlemen that were, that were, it was their impetus, you know, were good salesmen. And, you know, got us going. And just for the matter that, it, that we stuck with it all these years, you know, is a, is, a, is a testament to a lot of people who helped keep this team going. You know, there were times where, you know, I think it was in our our 2001 season, we played three games. You know, we played three games. We were on a shoestring budget, and we hung in there, and we played, and, we just kept going, and then, you know, things started getting better, and things started improving, and the league started getting better, and, you know, we jumped from the WPSL for a bunch of years, we jumped over to NWFA, then we jumped over to the and then now we're being in the WFA, which we're very happy about. Um, you know, it's it's amazing to see the metamorphosis. Um, I used to be a delegate for the IDBFL uh, for my team for years, and just to see that, you know, there are a lot of other women in a lot of other cities who are trying to do all the things that we're trying to do. So you know you're on common ground, but everybody's trying to do it differently and trying to succeed at it, which is not easy, especially when a lot of it sometimes boils down to money and having good business practices. That's, I think, a big part of it. And if we wouldn't have good owners and people who really got that part of it, you're not going to see the success of women's teams because you have to have good ownership.
1: That's the one key that everybody, I think, takes away. If you don't have a good business plan, like a regular business, you do go under often, and that's what we see a lot of it. I've been following the sport since 2009, and you've obviously been in this for way longer than I have, and that's one of the detriments of the sport is that there's business-minded people that are not in place. But when you do have that in place, uh, you know Minnesota, uh, Laura Brown and the owner before that, they've had some success, and lately you guys have great success with, some TV, a TV partnership. So that's even more of a right. key for you guys in terms of bringing people in. And, and so that right there helps out as well.
0: Exactly. You know, that's, you know, we've been at our, we have a booth at our Minnesota state fair and that is probably one of the biggest recruiting tools that we have. We've been there for the last 14 years. And, um, you know, it isn't, there isn't a season goes by that we don't have somebody come up and say, I didn't know we had this. I didn't know you guys existed. And we have still have people coming up to this going, oh, yeah, I went to a game last year. Or, oh, I went to a game a couple of years ago. Or, oh, I know so-and-so that played in 2013, um, which is great. I mean, we have a great relationship with the media. Uh, they they simulcast all of our games on, on uh, Twin Cities cable stations that helps for exposure a lot. But it still boils down to money. I mean, you know, God willing if I win the mega millions tonight, I'm gonna to give back to women's football. I'll just tell you has that. I'm gonna I'm gonna help the Way out or anybody else who needs a little help, I promise. Um, but you know, you have to have you have to invest, you have to put the money out there. That's the challenge. I mean, but I put, I'd be putting billboards up and shoving women's football down the media's throat, trust me. Um, But that's sometimes what has to happen is we have to have somebody that's got some money that can put forth an effort. You can find the athletes. You can find the coaches. There's quality coaches all over the United States. There's quality athletes all over the United States. I mean, there's tons of women's teams that have proven that with their staff and and their players. But it does boil down to money, and that's why you see some of these good teams that are having a a hard time keeping their heads afloat because they don't have sound business practices. They don't know how to recruit. They don't know how to market media. There's so many teams that don't have Twitter accounts and don't tweet during their games and don't uh, go on Facebook live. I've seen a lot more of that in the, in the, in the last few years, there's more teams that are being on Facebook live. There's more teams that are doing Twitter. That's great. You have to have a media presence for businesses to sponsor you because it's all about outreach and it's all about, you know, who who's who's going to see this and how can this help me as well as you.
1: Michelle, your history with the team uh, center and you've played, I believe, um, is it safety also on defense, if I'm correct?
0: No, I played I played every offensive line position and I played some D tackle and defensive end.
1: So was it the passion to play at center? Because that's like the brain of the offense. Was that something that just drove you there or is that just your strong point for yourself too?
0: Well, you know, I I've I've always been a person that's kind of been in charge of things. I was uh, in that kind of high school and things like that. And when I um when I first joined our team I was a guard. I was a right guard, left guard and we had a really good center. Her name was uh Vijay Thies, and she was a just a standout. Athlete. She was a little bit older than me, and she was just a really good center. And she played for a couple years for us, and then she had to step away. And when she did that, they kind of said to me, Hey, you know, because I was kind of in a way her backup at times. But they said to me, hey, you know, would you like to move over there? We're going to need somebody who's dependable and who knows what's going on. And And I'm like, well, yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot. And then I worked into playing center. And, you know, the center is such an overlooked position because you really have to have an understanding of what you're doing out there. You have to know what the play is. You have to know what all your other teammates on the line are doing. Plus you have to know what's happening in the offense down in distance. Everything like that. And it was something that I just kind of took to like a duck to water. It was a very easy thing, and I really – I took that very, very seriously. I can tell you with 100% certainty in 20 years of football, I never took a playoff. I never said, I don't have to work that hard. It's 3rd and 15. I don't have to work that hard. Or it's, you know, it's we're losing 30 to 0. I don't have to work that hard. Why should I work that hard. I never took a playoff, and if I can tell anybody out there who's listening or who's playing on a team, and maybe your team isn't doing really good, but you know that you know your team maybe can pull it around, don't ever stop fighting, don't ever quit, don't ever take a playoff. Work hard because when your teammates see that you work hard, then that can that can snowball to everybody else, and. It will make your team stronger, and that's one of the things that I always prided myself on. When I was a captain for 14 years, and I really prided myself on that. I never took it for granted, but I was really proud of the fact that you know I worked as hard as I could, and I and I always had things against me, like I was always the oldest one on the team, or you know I was never the biggest person, I was never the strongest person. But I was a person that would pin their ears back and come at you as best as I could because that's what I knew I had to do every single play.
1: All right, Michelle, let's bring in uh, Mackenzie here to poke fun at you as well and uh, and see what she's got. <laughs> let's bring in Salty here.
0: <laughs> Hi, Michelle. What's up, Mackenzie? How you doing? I'm doing well, and how are you, there? You know, I'm great. You know,
2: I was really excited to hear that you were going to be on the show today. Actually, I've been excited for this for the past week or two knowing that you're going to be on the show. So this is my chance to kind <laughs> of uh, poke fun at you even more. So my first yeah, question Bring it on, girl. Bring having... it on. <laughs> yeah. So my first question, with you having, you know, been a veteran of the game for so long, what would you say has been your biggest challenge as far as whether it's team-wise, whether it's in your own personal player being, uh, what would you say was the biggest thing that you've had to overcome to, you know, keep your tenure so strong? Oh, my God, I'm outworking all the big girls
0: like you. (laughs) 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 What? Girl, you know what, I'll tell you something. I, that's why I'm so happy I got Red Bryant on my team because, you know, with Red Bryant and Sheena Reed, I had two people that would work you and work you and work you and work you, and they helped make me better. And, boy, when I had to go up against you, Mackenzie, I knew I had to work because you were the type of person you would always bring it. You never quit, and you always changed it up because of the fact you never knew what you were going to do. You were unpredictable. And I think as a defensive lineman, the best thing you can do is be unpredictable because when that whole lineman figures out that they got you, well, you're gone. You know what I'm saying? But when you change it up... Yeah. You're gonna make that old lineman always think, Oh my god, what's she gonna do this time? You know what I mean? So I mean i gotta give you credit because we know I always tell the girls I said she gotta come at you, she's gonna be a little prey prey. You gotta just go with <laughs> it now and you gotta just you gotta just keep on her because she hates getting bought and you know damn well you hate getting blocked. I know you did.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I, that, you yeah. always, not, brought, not you not always brought it. You always
0: brought it. Yeah, I'm, and saying, I'm you,
2: always, you've you always, always brought, <laughs> well, thank you, I, I appreciate that, and to be completely honest, I actually got some of my motivation from you in red, if I'm being completely honest with myself, because watching you guys just constantly take me on, and take me on, and not give up, made me so angry, especially my first two or three years Playing having been on the crush and played against you guys, it was the most frustrating thing on the face of the planet. but after have being have uh, played so long as I have you know my being my young self, I've come to realize that exactly what you said being unpredictable is what's gonna get you further than most, and I feel like I've adapted that from the two of you, especially red and I having you know been close to the same body build, close to the same position. We both are very mouthy. Um, and then, you know, you just, you add you to the mix. I'm just like, all right, well, I'm not going to go anywhere. And I, I specifically remember <laughs> two, was 2016 the uh, oh, we played, no, it would have been 2017 when I played on the Madison Blaze and it was you and Red and the both of you blocked me at the same time and I was hot. I was not happy and I was I was saying a couple choice words and then I just realized that, you know, I am actually a lot like the both of them when it comes to not not giving up and just constantly pushing and constantly going because I don't quit a lot like the two of you. You guys don't give up, you haven't given up. That's why your tenure is so long and I'm just so excited that I've got to play alongside of you guys and against you guys. So I got the best of both worlds.
0: Well, you know, we were always envious of you, Mackenzie, because you got to run the ball. So, you know, that was – I only got to do that one time in my entire career, is run the ball one time. And I, I don't know if I'd ever do it again.
2: <laughs> to be honest, I'll tell you, it's definitely a switch from playing mostly line positions, especially, you know, I, after I had dropped all that weight and went from playing offensive and defensive line to playing tight end, and now I'm playing running back. So it's definitely a change from blocking people and hitting people to running through people and getting hit. It's very Mm -hmm. much a different, uh, very much a different uh, vision. And the first time I got laid out was alarming to me almost because I'm just like, why am I laying on the ground like
0: this? It's scary. I know. (laughs) They let me run the ball one time in Toledo, Ohio. Oh my gosh. Years ago for just for, you know, just for giggles they said, "Hey, you want to run the ball play fullback?" And I'm like, "Sure, why not?" And I took, I took the handoff. I think I got a yard and a half, and I just got smoked. And I went, "Hey, that's enough. We're not doing that anymore."
2: <laughs> oh man. So my next question is, what would you say if you could change anything or kind of alter anything that's happened within your 20-year tenure? What, what would it be and why?
0: Well, you know, the biggest thing is I, I I the biggest thing is I'm so fortunate to be able to play and have played mostly not having a serious injury. I mean, I've torn my labrum in my shoulder, avoided surgery, sprained an ankle, broke a finger, um, torn my meniscus in my knee, sprained my MCL, four concussions. Um, you know, for twenty years of football is pretty good. Um, the thing that I would change is I know that there are times that I wish I would have just gotten a little bit stronger. And really, I mean, there were times when um, I think it was probably my fifth year fifth year playing. Um, I really, I mean, I, I have always been a personal trainer for 20 years. But it's different when you're trying to train for a sport of this magnitude. And um, I finally did some uh, off-season work uh, for 12 weeks at our orthopedic center, um, working in our HEAT program, which is a high-energy athletic training program where they make you do all sorts of stuff and have you run up 40% inclines and stuff. And it was the smartest thing I ever did, and I did that for about four or five years. And it was the smartest thing I ever did that really got me to be a be- helped me to be a better player because um, the one thing I had always known is I had always known kind of how to play the sport of football. But it's so different when you're actually getting taught, what to do and what to play, and, and it's making sense to you. And, the, you know, the biggest thing is making sure you have good coaches. But, um, you know, the, the thing that I would change is probably just trying to be a stronger player, uh, more physically strong. Um, I was always a smart player. I was always mentally strong, but uh, which I think you definitely need, especially as an offensive lineman but I think just being more physically strong and making sure I was trying to get in as good a shape as I could get in for my age and just to keep keep that part going.
2: Yeah, I can definitely attest to the, as far as being physically strong, when I first started, I remember the very first game I played against you guys. It was my first game ever. It was the most painful thing I'd ever felt in my life. Literally. Especially because mm-hmm. I was just like I wasn't condition I was conditioned for basketball and not football. I hadn't been like heavy lifting since like college, high school maybe. So I was mm-hmm. not very I was not very strong physically as far as being able to take on those hits, being able to take on blocks, being able to, you know, lay out hits of my own. So definitely I can attest to the you know, making sure you're physically training for the sport rather than physically training somebody. Um, definitely mm-hmm. a completely different world when you look at it across the board. I know you and I have had multiple conversations about, um, you know, you've given me tips about how to get back in shape. Um, so, and all that stuff I do, I absolutely appreciate you for. I needed to say that publicly right now. Well, you are, but, you
0: are welcome. You know, the funniest thing is, Mackenzie, when you sit and think about it, I mean, I learned this a long time ago. You're actually, in football, you're actually moving and exerting yourself at your top physical capacity for six minutes for an entire game. Six minutes, 100% as hard as you can give it. Because every play is going to last from an average of four seconds to 10 seconds. Well, if you run how many plays, that's going to be equivalent to about six minutes or so of actual physical work. The rest of it isn't. So you look at it that way, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is, and it's enormous over a a whole entire game. So it's way different. That's why football is such a beautiful sport, and you can't compare it to anything else because of the fact is it's so, so different than anything any female has played we can only equate it to maybe lacrosse or hockey or soccer because we have nothing else to compare it to as female.
2: Yeah. And, and when you, when you really look at it, as far as, you know, trying to compare, um, you know, compare the physicalities of what we do on the field with other combative or contact sports, as far as women play, you could also put um, those uh, lady wrestlers in there, um, you know, Things that are like higher, higher impact, you don't find a lot of girls and women doing that. So I think with
0: mm-hmm.
2: us having played as long as we have and seeing the sport change, it's to me it's just mind blowing how everything just in a whole has changed. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like having played for twenty years and seeing everything change. I mean, I'm going on year number nine, so just right. from seeing my rookie season to now is still crazy to me. So and I just I kind of just want to see what your overall mindset is as far as, like, your first couple seasons to your very last game.
0: Oh, it's amazing the changes that have occurred. It's amazing the changes that have occurred in the athletes and having the women, uh, I think the women's confidence level of athletics has changed in 20 years. Um, You know, we we had women that first year from all walks of life, we had women who were rugby athletes. We had uh, Olympian Wendy Brown, who was a heptathlete. Um, we had a lot of people from uh, Florida, Canada, out in the East Coast who had played uh, lacrosse and hockey and, and soccer and basketball and who were just fabulous athletes and, and coming in and learning a sport that was that they were familiar with that was different to them. Now these gals, a lot more gals are getting an opportunity to play in high school in some capacity, whether it be peewee football junior high, maybe even getting the chance to play into ninth and tenth grade on a football team somewhere, and, you know, they're coming in with some experience. We had, I think, I want to say three or four gals on our team last year who were rookies, had football experience or first-year players had football experience in high schools in some capacity. So you know, it's that's what's cool. That's what's fun to see that evolve, um, and I hope it still does where we can actually have uh, girls play football in high school and be able to have the same opportunities that that the boys have had. And it's just going to help that sport grow.
2: Yeah, and that, and that's where I definitely agree with you as far as you know us. As women's players wanting to see the sport grow, and that's where it starts—is those lower levels where um, men and boys had, as far as pee-wee, all-American, middle school, high school, college, semi-pro. You know, we have to have those 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 feeder systems before we can start growing the sport even more. And now that we're starting to get exactly. those feeder systems, you know, we're we're starting to get the the girls' youth leagues. We're starting to get you know more inclusion as far as. Um, high school, high school football, middle school football is concerned. And once those girls get to become 17, 18 years old, they're gonna start to see that hey, there's another level for me to play at. So I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't give up, you know, just right here at middle school or right at, right after high school. I can still excel in this, which is what's crazy to me because even with my being as young as I am, well, not so much now, but when I was starting, I was one of few people that had a chance to play in high school I was one of those few people who had played with the boys as far as contact sports you know those higher impact sports were concerned so being able to come into the sport with prior um prior experience helped me a lot and now just seeing from my rookie season in 2010 to now is just crazy
0: to me right well that's what I think is cool too Mackenzie too it's like you know you you don't have to be a certain size to play football. We'll take all shapes and sizes because it takes all shapes and sizes to play. You know, sometimes it's been fun to see some of the bigger gals and say, and and they kind of go, wow, I can play this. I can contribute. I can do something positive, and I can help the football team because they need somebody my size. It's not, you know, we see people like that sometimes at the state fair or try it or wherever we're fundraising at or trying to go, uh, recruiting, and, you know, we see somebody who's, you know, two hundred fifty pounds or three hundred pounds, we're like, you know, you know what, you could come out and try out for us because we need somebody your size. We don't have to have everybody, you know, has to be a certain size because we we can't have everybody all be running backs. We can't have everybody all be wide receivers or linebackers. We have to have people that have some size to them. And um that's one thing we're excited about. Uh this year, uh with what we've had for trials this year has been a really good mix of players and we're really excited to see what we're going to be doing this season.
2: Yeah, like I said, it's just, to me, it's just overall amazing what kind of athletes women's sports draws as far as whether it's a semi-pro league, whether it's, you know, just a recreational league, you literally get different kinds of athletes with different kinds of backgrounds coming together to play a sport they love or a sport they're just starting to get interested. And it's great to me. Right. Like even with my, you know, even with myself having come from a completely different athletic background from a normal female was more or less mind-blowing to me being able to, you know, carry over what I learned when I was figure skating to now as far as, you know, having that footwork, having that power, and people still to this day being mind-blown that you came from a figure skating background and you now – Exactly, yeah. (laughs) So my final question, madam, is – um, when did you decide that you were gonna be done playing football? Like at what point did you decide that, you know, twenty years was enough is enough for me? I can no longer well, do this it's, or it's time to hang it up.
0: Well, it's funny because um I have uh coworkers and, and friends of mine that were sitting there saying, You've been saying this for the last five years, what are you talking about? Now you're gonna finally do it? And and I and I said to myself, I said, you know, I said, if I can physically feel comfortable to do this and put myself through the grind, because, you know, I'm not only going to practice three days a week. I'm driving to the Twin Cities, which is 75 miles one way, to go 150 miles round trip three days a week to go to practice for seven months, you know, eight months. And, um, you know, I I sat there, and and this last year I, I had a really good chance that, we were going to have a chance to have a championship season. I was really confident. And, you know, you can't end on an odd number. You can't end on 19 or 17 or a team number. you got to end on a nice 20 number. And with it being our 20th anniversary, and I thought, well, you know, I'm 51 years old, and God willing, I'm still in, in decent shape. I can still walk on two legs. I, you know, I can still remember my phone number. And I was like, well, you know, do I do I keep going or do I, or do I is it time to move on? And I really, I always accept my role on any team. In the last two years, you know, I've I've been the starting long snapper, which is a very important position. If anybody doesn't have a good long snapper, you know what I'm talking about, um, and it's something that you overlook a lot because it's something that we take for granted. And to be a backup player in a backup role the last couple of years and be okay with that, it, it takes it takes it's a hard pill to swallow when you've been a starter for years and years like I was. So, I also had to know my role. I had to be acceptable with my role. I had to know what I could contribute and what I couldn't contribute. And, you know, I just said to myself, you know, it's it, you you look at what you've accomplished. I thought we'd go out with a ring. We didn't. And um, you know, I, I just said to myself, "How would I feel about going to 21?" And I just was like, uh, "What can I still do?" And I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm going to be—I'm on, on the Vixen coaching staff, which I'm very, very grateful to do. I'm so excited to impart my wisdom and knowledge for offensive line and help them to be a vital cog in the whole machine. But um, you just kind of knew, and your your body's getting beat up, and and your body isn't responding. How it do I had some injuries and ailments over the over the season I dealt with, and and just kind of sucked it up and played anyway. You know, you just kind of knew that. Yeah, it's just the grind's getting hard, and when the grind gets too hard, and it isn't fun like that anymore, and you don't relish, boy, I can't wait. I take you know three weeks off in the off season, I'm gonna go right back and get it you know, it was kind of like, yeah, kind of, I'm maybe I should be done, and it was hard, it was, I thought about it for weeks, weeks and weeks afterwards, and I was very kind of depressed, and, and sad, and kind of melancholy, but um, I talked it over with my wife, and I just said, hey, you know, um, this is kind of what I'm thinking of doing, and, and uh, you know, I just, I didn't feel I wanted to put in, my body through the rigmarole anymore. And it was just going to be a really tough grind because it's always tough, especially when you're getting older. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm 51 years old. It's not easy yet. You know, if I started the game when I was like Red's age or even Moose's age that started when we were younger, shit, I'd still be playing. You know, I'd still be doing this because if I was in my mid-40s, there wouldn't even be, a, it wouldn't even be a, a thought in my mind to not play. But, you know, you're playing for 20 straight years, that's a little bit different story. So I just really had to give it some thought and I and I and I put it to bed and I made up my mind and I'm okay with it.
2: That's I I can't imagine the mental just the mental capacity it took to convince yourself that, you know being a second string going from being a starter ninety eight percent of your career to now you know, and having to make that decision that you have to step back and hang up your cleats. I can't imagine the mental capacity it had to take to bring yourself to that decision without, you know, being like, can I still make it another year? You know, can I still, do I still want to make it another year as far as being second string kind of thing? So I can't imagine how much mental capacity that took. Oh, I don't well, think you, I know, you know, you know,
0: Mackenzie. I've always been a team player. I've always been a team player from day one. That's that's when, when I was in college playing softball. They used to call me Yes Coach Brown. Just call me. Used to call me Michelle Yes Coach Brown because always say Yes Coach, Yes Coach, No Coach. I was the epitome of respectful, you know, to my coaches and. I've always been a team player, and, you know, you have to be a team player on a football team. Not everybody is going to be a star, but when your number is called, you have to, you you know, be on. You have to bring it. You have to do the best that you can. And sometimes, you know, you're playing, and and you're playing really well, and all of a sudden something happens, and, and, you know, they think somebody can do a better job than you, so they put somebody else in there. And, And, you know, I could... I could have just been mad and said, yeah, screwed I'm just gonna quit. I thought, it in my vocabulary. Quitting has never been in my vocabulary to just to give up because something was hard or because I got rearranged or something like that. You know, I've never had that mentality and it's super hard and you but you you're doing it because it's something that you love. You love your team. I love my team, I love I always love the Vixen. I love being red and black. I, you know, it's it's something that's just ingrained in you. And I'm I'm so fortunate to be able to have played the sport and to contribute. And if I can use my wisdom to help other people, rookies on the team, other people, people, somebody took over my job um, and help them to get better and and to do that so we win. That's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's about our team. You know. Yeah,
2: oh, man, that's, that is, that's amazing. Just the fact that you've played so long is just amazing to me. I hope one day I can get there. I'm on season nine. (laughs) You know, I have, I've definitely thought about hanging up my cleats and just, like, I'm still young, you know, I'm still, I still have a lot of, as far as, like, Ten year goes. I still have a lot of time left. I'll be twenty seven in January. I know that's not something most people want to
0: hear. Oh my God! I you're mean, a puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A oh, puppy. I am. And it's, it's always. Yeah. It's always. You're a baby, funny Mackenzie.
2: I know. I was even more of a baby when I started it. I was eighteen. She's when a I got my first oh my. I was eighteen. <laughs> so to me, oh my I'm God, just looking at
0: starting starting at playing at so, 18 to now i'm
2: just like that's
0: crazy yeah so now are you playing this year mackenzie or not
2: i am actually so yes, i am i am playing now who are you playing for I, i'm playing for the Iowa crush of course my team is my home Ooh. yeah i, I hope am. we'll get to see you oh, you will sometime i'm sure that will be a thing I'm very We stoked are looking, to we're our... excited
0: to bring that rivalry back, let me tell you, because, you know, we love playing at that stadium. You guys are playing in that stadium, that old soccer stadium. Boy, we love it. We want our cleats to melt in that heat again. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, I'll tell you what, playing, playing in Valley High School Stadium here in Des Moines is probably one of the best experiences I've had, whether it was watching a game or playing on the team on the field or playing against the team, like playing – for the Iowa Crush, for me, has been what it has been for you as far as you playing with the Minnesota Vixen. Except I'm not quite at the age. Oh yeah. yet. <laughs> um, So and I'm I'm excited to see if we can get that rivalry back going because you, I know that was a rivalry from before I had even started, and just to have been played, been on that team and played against you guys for so long and have it just be straight up, just back and forth, crush head football. No, I,
0: bet, I just I, I really hope i got to ask you now, is Jennifer McIntyre still playing quarterback? To be honest, I'm not sure. Wow. I'm really not. Um,
2: that is actually something it, it, I haven't it'll even be, It'll, that hasn't it'll, crossed my it'll mind. be
0: weird seeing somebody else on the other side of that ball if it's not hers. I have a lot of respect for Jen.
2: Yeah, Jen McIntyre, as you know, she's one of the pioneers of the sport, as you are. So, seeing, not seeing her behind center this season or this past season was rough but I'm not sure if she's gonna if she's thinking about taking the reins back over I'm not quite sure what um, what's going on with her as far as that's concerned um, I do know that she is still the owner of the Iowa crush as far as I know so well, she you know, is great I yeah as far as I know she's still the owner um, I know we're still we still have stuff going on as far as tryout um, Players' meetings, you know, you know, you know the entire process. So, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yes. So, I'm really excited that we're also in the WFA now. So, most of all the Midwest teams that all have rivalries are all in the mid are all in the WFA. That's us, Mm -hmm. you guys, the Madison Blaze, um, you know, and now the Wisconsin Dragons, who, you know, for Mm -hmm. those of us who have been in the game, know um, what that stem is coming off of as far as the old team that used to be an installment, um, so it's, I'm just excited oh, yeah. all around. Don't underestimate it's gonna the Midwest. Be <laughs> oh, ever, and that's what I say is, even with, even aside from the women's game, college ball especially, everybody's like, oh, the Midwest can't play football, really? Have you not been paying attention? Just yeah,
0: don't underestimate it the Midwest, you know. I see all this. I see all this football stuff, women's football, talking about all East Coast, West Coast, blah blah blah. Hey, you don't forget where it started, baby. <laughs> exactly. It must
1: be the cheese. Is it the cheese out there? It's got to be the cheese. Oh,
0: don't say don't say don't say cheese now. That's a Wisconsin thing. <laughs> yeah. I no. <know.
1: laughs> you know we
0: got we got like hot dish up here. You know hot dish. You know it's hot <laughs> dish. You know that's kind of where we're at. I
1: mean we're
2: just
1: uh, a corn Michelle. fed here in Iowa, so cornfest. <laughs> <laughs> uh Michelle Yeah you guys uh, are the Twin Cities the Twin Cities have been pretty exciting now. You got the hockey team now from the pro league coming in, women's hockey team pretty exciting now. You guys yourselves in the mix in St. Paul. Um so a lot of a lot of women's sports kinda like really impactful in your in, in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, we're super excited to have the Whitecaps here. Um, you know, they, they have a huge, uh, huge uh, uh, following coming up, and they're doing very well so far. Uh, they have a lot of good players, uh, some, uh, definitely Olympians, uh, former golfers and things like that. So they're doing very, very well. You know, we've got my, my hometown buddy, Lindsay Whalen, who's uh, now coaching the Gopher women's basketball team, which is a good thing. Uh, Lindsay went to my high school. Um, I actually coached her, I think, when I was, and she was, like, in second or third grade way back in the day for, like, a brief summer time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's just great. It's great to have the things that we're having here. And, you know, we're just trying to keep making our mark, you know. The biggest thing is you got to win. And if you win, people take notice, and that's just what we're trying to do is just keep forging a winning program.
1: Michelle, transitioning to coaching, you see a lot of it happening now nationwide. You got Callie uh, Branson out there with the internship with uh, Dartmouth Mouth now uh, going into that. You got a, a lot of players transitioning into coaching like yourself now. So even though you, it was a heartbreaking decision to do 20 off and just go, okay, I'm out, it's, it's got to be more rewarding for you now that you're actually going to kind of like give out all this knowledge to a new, uh, you know, new branch of the Vixen
0: exactly i'm i'm really excited um i can't wait to start i've got so many so many new things and so many new drills and so many new perspectives i want to bring to our team in general and um you know as as a veteran player sometimes you know you get kind of frustrated because you see us kind of doing the same things all the time and practice kind of gets redundant and mundane and you're like no why aren't we doing something different you know i've seen this drill i've seen that drill but you know as a coach now you have to think of the big picture and you have to think of what's best for everybody involved. And is it something that's going to be viable and useful for the team? And, and I'm really excited. I've got a lot of, a lot of drills, a lot of fresh ideas. Um, I'm going to be going to the glazier clinic coming up hopefully this spring and super excited to see what they partake. I used to be able to go to those clinics years ago and, um, uh, it's amazing the amount of um, information and great tips and things you can get from Glazer. So if you ever have a chance to have any of your coaches or go to Glazer Clinic, take advantage of it because they're super, super great. You have speakers from all over the United States and all sorts of coaches from, from NFL players to college players to high school, or uh, coaches that come and talk, and it's just a fabulous uh, wealth of information. So I'm really excited. I'm. I'm I, we've, just, we've just finished a tryout here. We had 65 women at our last tryout. Um, we're just really excited. We've got so many people coming. We're like to do one more tryout coming up here on the 28th of October. Um, so we're just super excited to see how the season is going to go, and um, it's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Well, Michelle, we re- really wanted you to come in and uh, kind of give everybody an, I- an idea of what 20 seasons was about and the excitement of the play that you've made uh, the impact you did on the Minnesota Vixen, but not just the Vixen, but overall in the sport, uh, longevity. And now, you know, we got to be really excited for 2000, uh, the next season that's coming up for the Vixen in 2019. So, kind of figure out, you know, how that's going to evolve with your leadership and the rest of the coaching staff that's going to be assembled there. And so, it, WFA is going to be pretty intense now. A lot of more teams, uh, ever since the IWFL sort of has disbanded most of their teams and some of them have migrated into the WFA it kind of makes it a stronger brand. And, and that Midwest, like you said, it's going to be very competitive.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really fun. Uh, I think our Midwest division is just going to be um, just really super competitive. I know that I think the crush is in uh, division three, which is doesn't mean a thing. Um, you can definitely still have a really good team at division three and, I would assume we're still going to be in Division Two, but you know, I think it's just really going to be exciting. I mean, there's so much rivalry between all of our teams, uh, all of our Wisconsin teams and Iowa. We have so much rivalry, and everybody's excited to always play those games. So they mean a lot to us, and I know they mean a lot to those teams. And um, you know, everybody kind of sleeps on the Midwest Division, and I'm telling you, you can't sleep on us this year. It's just going to be fun.
1: Michelle, you're in Vegas. So are you going to be in Vegas for the for the introduction, for the uh, Women's Hall of Fame introduction?
0: Yes, I am. I just booked my flights today and uh, bringing my wife with me. And uh, we're super excited to take uh, a few days off. And um, I've never been to Vegas before, flown over it but I've never been to Vegas, so I'm super excited to, to see what it's all about. And I know Red's coming, so she's going to be there too, and she's getting inducted as well, and she definitely deserves that honor. Uh, it's been a pleasure to play with Red for as long as I have, and, and I'm just super excited about the whole weekend. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to
1: it. Awesome. So, uh, Michelle, thank you for making the time today. We look forward to the induction. It's going to come up at the Women's Hall of Fame. And uh, I will, could not make it there myself uh, because of other things that are happening in my life. But uh, I was very uh, grateful to be uh, one of the honorees and going into the class with yourself and 37 other yeah. folks out there. So it's really exciting times out in Vegas. I hope you guys have a great time. I'm looking forward to some of the video and some of the things that are going to be happening with the highlights. But overall, congratulations on your 20 uh, seasons a uh, legend and pioneer in this sport, and we really appreciate you all, the things that you've done for women's football.
0: Well, you know what? I, I thank you guys, too. I, you've done a great job. Uh, you know, I used to be on Blog Talk Radio years ago, and, and you know, it's just been so much fun, and I really, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate what you guys are doing for women's football, and I just keep doing what you're doing, and I just thank you so much for this opportunity, and thank you so highly of me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem, Michelle. One of the best, and no no doubt uh, in Las Vegas will be one of the highlights as well. So we look forward to that. And uh, safe travels. We'll uh, touch base after the Hall of Fame. And then looking forward to the 2019 season, we'll bring you back and see uh, what the state of the Vixen is for the 2019 season as well.
0: I would love to. Thank you very much, Ashley. You guys have a great night. Thanks, Thanks Michelle. Michelle. Have a great night. You bet. Take care, Mackenzie. See
1: you soon, buddy. You too. All right, Mackenzie, there you go. Legend, pioneer uh, of the women's game. One of the uh, beginnings of the sport in terms of excitement. The, brains, uh, the Barnstorm Tour, as she was saying, back in 98. Uh, so she is she is basically historic in a lot of ways. And so, uh, you know, who better not to bring her on? I, I want her to bring her on a little sooner than that, but. Just things, you know, sometimes with scheduling and stuff like that. But we finally got her on here, and it's, uh, it was a great honor to speak to her. It's going to be a great honor for her to get inducted um, with the 37 other uh, amazing women that have contributed to the sport in Las Vegas at the Women's Hall of Fame.
2: Ben. I loved everything about that video, that interview. I loved everything about Michelle. I just love Michelle. She's such a great person. She was an amazing player. I can't wait to see what she does on the coaching side of the game. It's going to be awesome to see her make the transition from player to coach. Um, like I said, having played alongside her at All-Star Games and played against her for as long as I have been playing myself, it's just been amazing to watch her and – Red Bryant just dominate the Women's game as far as tenure As far as the Minnesota Vixen As an organization Coming up in the reign Of women's football So and I I just hope that I can Make it close to 20 years If I can make it to year 10 I will be happy
1: I think you're there almost
2: Yeah I'm going on year 9 And I feel old I'm not even going to lie
1: Ugh (laughs) <laughs> but I'm gonna keep right, pushing. Let's, let's I will That's my Feeling old, because she said you're a puppy anyway. So we're we'll go with puppy right now.
2: Everybody says I'm a puppy. I'm 27, or I will be 27. So it comes with the territory.
1: It does, and if you're salty, it just adds to it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk college football before you bail on me here. Um, LSU with the resounding win against Georgia. We had Iowa State uh, home win against West Virginia. We had Oregon, which Holly isn't here, but she was tweeting ducks, ducks, ducks all all over social media. Uh, Overtime redemption against Washington. And then we had Michigan State with a close win. Michigan, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Michigan and Michigan's statement victory as well. And then also Auburn's downworld spiral which everybody's predicting at this point. But overall, close games for Notre Dame, close games for Texas, and a very close game um, with uh, UCF versus Memphis.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of close games across the general college football spectrum. Well, with the exception of the Iowa State West Virginia game, which, like I had called last week, I called Iowa State with the upset by three, and they covered the spread. Don't, in don't be bragging
1: now. So, don't be bragging now. You're bragging now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I am. I am. And just like I said last week, just to see Iowa State coming from their first three games of the season to now having now being at 500. I am extremely excited to see what's going to happen, what Matt Campbell's going to do for the rest of the season. And now they have a true freshman with uh, Brock Purdy in there. And he is just – for a freshman quarterback to throw as accurately as he's throwing right now is kind of mind-blowing to me. I'm not even going to lie. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Um, I was also very shocked to – well, not very shocked. I was pretty surprised – that Georgia didn't put up a better fight against LSU.
1: Well, that was shocking in a sense, but I think Oregon's, if we want to talk about shocking, I think Oregon holding off, uh, you know, Washington there in overtime. I think that's huge. Everybody in Oregon was probably drinking like big time after this win. it's just, that's just like interstate happiness.
2: Oh, absolutely. I can't, I couldn't even imagine what, the campus scene and the downtown scene was like there after that comeback win that I can't even, it, maybe it was, you know, just like the uh, the very first win Cleveland had gotten. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much what I'm envisioning what happened up in Oregon.
1: Yeah. And it just seemed like Oregon played a good game. So they deserved to win. Holly was excited. Uh, you can tell she really wanted this win and they finally make the hump get over it. And they win. Um, too bad she's not here to talk about it. But I'm, I'm pretty sure she's having a crazy adventure right now. <laughs> She's at her work. She told me it's going to be pretty crazy. So um, we had Notre Dame barely get by Pittsburgh, 1914. So there's there three close games there. And then Texas barely edges Baylor. So there's, there's some of the games that are getting closer and closer. And some of their rivals are getting a little bit closer. So uh, those three could have easily been upsets.
2: Yeah, and to be honest, I was actually surprised that the Notre Dame Pittsburgh game wasn't higher scoring. I really thought for some reason it is, it would have gone at least to mid twenties, lower thirties on both sides of the ball as far as Pitt and Notre Dame, but it just didn't didn't happen. I wasn't sure if there wasn't something that wasn't just generally clicking on either offense or if both defenses were just that, you know, that potent and powerful that day. Like I said, you know, anything can happen on any given Saturday. So, and unfortunately, you know, you have to win. One has to win, one has to lose, just like we were talking before. Um, like I said, I was very kind of – I was actually more or less indifferent with the at least the score results of that game. I, like I said, I figured it had been a little bit higher scoring as far as not in the team. So.
1: Now, what do we have coming up week eight that you stand out? I wrote down um, – we had number number 12 Oregon going up against Washington State. So – This would be a double whammy, in other words, double win for Oregon if they beat Washington and they turn on and beat Washington State, which I think Washington State's probably a little bit more beatable than Washington.
2: Yeah, I have to agree. I think think Washington State's a little bit going to be a little bit – they're going to have a little bit more of an advantage than they they would with uh, with Washington. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm actually – I'm pulling for Oregon. I'm taking them by a touchdown.
1: Now, number 15, Washington, who just came off that loss. Um, it's going up against Colorado. So that's another game that I had written down here. And then you also have number 24, Michigan State, versus number six, Michigan, which should be a very good week there. Um, any other week eight games that we should be kind of focusing on?
2: I'm looking at the Oklahoma-TCU game. That one I feel like is going to be extremely interesting. Um to see how Kyler Murray and the Oklahoma Sooners come off the loss is going to be very interesting to see what this bye week had, you know, had in store for them as far as, you know, were they able to get their defense back together um, playing to what they were playing against Texas. If they can do that, the entire game against uh, TCU. I also have, I also have the Alabama Tennessee game and you know, I'm all about underdogs and I'm taking Tennessee by a touchdown.
1: No, you can't do that. Alabama is so huge. It's not gonna happen.
2: I can it, look. It look anything could happen on any given Saturday. That's what I always say. That's it's the truth. Will it happen? Probably not. Wishful thinking? Absolutely. But
1: all right. So you taking Tennessee to it over to Alabama? What have you been drinking? This is not. This is not even. <laughs> you've been drinking Kool Aid.
2: I have, and I'm all up in it, and I and I'm fully acceptable with
1: that. I hope it's not a forty nine to zero slaughter. <laughs> and that Kool Aid. It'll be
2: if if it if it's a shutout or if it's a slaughter, it's not gonna be zero. Tennessee's gonna score at least fourteen points if that actually happens. But I don't foresee that happening. Like I said, I see Tennessee just pulling the biggest upset. All
1: right, so you're going with Tennessee no matter what. Alright, I'm taking Alabama, I'm staying on the shirt shirt thing, making sure that they do that. Um <laughs> So, at this point, uh, are you bailing on me right now? Are you, are, you, are you heading out?
2: I am. Yes, I am. All right. So, we'll catch, you, ne- next we'll catch you here next
1: week on Tuesday then. And uh, we'll yep, look forward time. to uh, week seven. And then we'll look forward to week uh, eight in college football. And hopefully, we'll get uh, Troy back as well. And we'll get Luis back and then Polly back from their crazy weeks they've had this week. But other than that, so we'll catch you here next Tuesday then.
2: Absolutely. Have a good week, everybody. I will see you on social media. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at MackieT75 or follow me on Facebook at Mackenzie Brooks with two Zs.
1: And we're not going to forget to follow you because we follow you all already.
2: That's true. You're right.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. All right. all right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. So that was Mackenzie Brooks. Um, we had Michelle Braun Coming in here from Minnesota, Vixen uh, as well. So we're going to be talking a little bit of women's uh, gridiron news internationally. So as soon as, uh, you know, for a couple more minutes here, and then we're bailing out as well. Short short day today for all of us. But it was a big, big weekend in the NFL. Week uh, seven coming up. I think it's it's here. Week seven. Let me pull it up. I think we have week seven coming up next week. And here we go right here. So it's going to be a big week in the NFL. Um, My Rams taking on San Francisco, which I'm really excited about. It's going to be a true test to see how the Rams come into play. The Niners played so good against uh, Green Bay that that right there kind of scares me a little bit because they've played so well and we've always downplayed pretty well uh, against the Niners. So that hopefully that's not the case Uh, this weekend, Thursday night, you can catch us on Twitter at Greer and beauty. You can kind of chime in with us, with Mackenzie, myself, Troy, and and all the other uh, awesome uh, uh, women out there that are tweeting about football and and the NFL, uh, our turf football as well, and uh, so all the uh, amazing uh, fangirls uh, tweeting out there on uh, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. So check us out on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. And then um, it's going to be Thursday night. It's going to be the Broncos. We're going to take up the – Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be something we want to watch. But, anyways, we are watching that, and it's going to be Thursday. Um, the 2-4 and four Broncos taking on the Cardinals. Broncos played pretty well against the Rams. Looks to me like they might pull this off, but stranger things have happened. The last two Thursdays have been pretty competitive, so we'll see how that turns out. Then Sunday night, uh, the Sunday night game that's going to happen here, let's go into detail here with the Sunday night game. So, Sunday night, uh, I believe it's Cincinnati taking on Kansas City. Pat Mahomes uh, trying to get a rebound here from the New England loss. And the Bengals, of course, coming into this mix as well. So, 4-2, and 5-1 and one. should be a great game Sunday night. Um, and then you have Monday night, which is the dumpster fire that is the New York Giants. Uh, at 1-5, and five. they're taking on the Atlanta Falcons. And so, I just don't see New York doing anything here it's been kind of a bad season for them the owner even calling out obj on less talk and more action to get things going there in new york so it'll be atlanta versus the new york giants and that's going to be on monday night football so catch us on on twitter as i said at twitter gridiron beauty don't forget to like us on facebook at the hub facebook.com gridiron beauties for weekly updates breaking news and inspiring stories this week on our Facebook page, as if you guys haven't gone there yet, um, we have a real good uh, story. Uh, the Women of Copen- uh, Copenhagen Tomahawks, which uh, just finished up a nice tournament, of 7-on-7 seven seven tournament in uh, nor- uh, Norway. And so they're spotlighted by TV2LORI, um, and there's uh, cool videos there of the beginnings of the team in Denmark. So, you can catch highlights there also of the game that happened at the Women's Cup tournament and they faced off against the Hawasan Hurricanes and the Ballaranga Trolls. And so, uh, congratulations to the Copenhagen Tomahawks for their awesome victory there. You can also catch some of the highlights and updates of, of the week two action that happened in Gridiron West Women's League as the Rockingham Vi- uh, Vipers. Uh, rebound after a close opening day loss, 24 to 20, in week one to the champion Perth Blitz. The Vipers earn a tough defensive win uh, versus the Perth Broncos, 14 to six. The Vipers improved to one and one on the season and are really the surprise squad in the second season of Great Iron West. So there, it's going to be taken on in week three, uh, October 20th. They take on the undefeated Curtin Saints as well. So that's going to be pretty exciting in Great Iron West keep you updated on Twitter and on Facebook as well on the uh, results that are happening there of the Gridiron West season. Week one in uh, Italy at the Football Feminine CIFFA. Uh, that was week one, October 14th. And that was Serene Milano opening the season with a 15-0 to victory versus the Pirates. Um, and that's starting week one over in Italy. Check out the uh, uh, picture out there for that. And then the Cologne Falconettes. Out of Germany, we're actually at the game, uh, the Raiders against the Seahawks in London at Wembley. So you catch the girls out there spotlighting and hanging out uh, NFL Wembley. And that was the uh, Cologne Falconettes out of the German German league. We'll also get the recaps there of the Kansas City-New England Patriots game, as well as some of the highlights of the NFL. And then take a look at the awesome week four matchup it was the Jets' uh, lingerie from Lympha Lim- League out in Mexico taking on West Angels of Guadalajara. And that was week four, uh, thanks to coverage by West Angels. Uh, that was 23-9. to nine. It was the clash. So the Jets beat the West Angels there in Lympha action. And our, our Norjo football athlete, Phoebe Schetzler, is uh, hooking up with the UK Dukes. And you can get the season one episode there as well. And she's going to be having updates weekly on her journey with the Buffalo Bills. So you can check out and follow as well, the uh, UK Dukes, and you can get the link there from our page as well. And the Brno Amazons get ready to go up against the Prague Blackhawks. It's going to be November 4th. It is the final of the Czech Republic national championship. And it's Brno Amazons, Prague Blackhawks, a rematch of last year's and TV Brno one at uh, a spotlight, the matchup against uh, Brno Amazons and the Prague Harpies as the uh, get ready to take on the Prague Blackhawks, and that's going to be in November 4th. The launch of FXL Mexico, uh, legend style, it's going to be coming up this coming week. We'll be capturing all that action as well. FXL season six, and uh, are you ready for that? Because if you are, we're going to be capturing it as well on our Facebook page. Legends uh, Football League tryouts are off, also happening, so you can go to LFLUS.com and get tryout information there. Lexfa Arena Football announces international event November uh, 17th in Costa Rica. Costa Rica's women's full kit match will be featuring the Costa Rica Valkyrias de Costa Rica versus the high voltage of Mexico. And so there will be also a men's clash, all-stars versus high voltage, first historic matchup between the two countries, Costa Rica versus Mexico. And on November 6th, um, FXL uh, Mexico will also have uh, a Legends-style uh, play on November 16th, and that's going to be two teams uh, that are going to be classy in there. You can get the details on our Facebook page. And then you also get a flashback, uh, Flashback Fridays. And if you haven't hanged out with us on Flashback Fridays, this week it is Jessica Hopkins of Legends Football League, kind of memory lane back to her days playing with the Seattle Miss. You get the highlight reel there on our Facebook page. There's also a story of Shanice Cole of the Black Widows. You can kind of check out her, and a very inspiring story and struggles for her, but she's obviously on the squad, and she's made end even with their struggles. So you can check out the article there at Gridiron Beauties of Shanice Cole of the Black Widows, and it is set. It is the all-star game, the WFL all-star game out of Legend Style in Mexico, and it is set in Toluca, home of the Toluca Red Devils. And you can get the details there via mbt.com Mexico. Um, And so if you haven't gone to the hub at facebook.com, all our stuff is awesome. And we have built up this network over almost 10 years now. And a lot of the things that are posted out there are from network partners that work with us, and we've done a great job with that. Uh, Just sort of the same thing, uh, Oscar Ariel Hernandez Uh, gave us the insights on a historic moment that's going to happen in the Mexican National American Football Hall of Fame as they will induct the first class of women to be honored by the Hall of Fame, Uh, some pioneers in the sport in the Monterey area, in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, One of those was Monica Garcia Davila, and she played for the V-Queen Saltillo in different uh, formats, legends, uh, full kit, and everything else. And those honorees will be taken care of on the uh, weekend of October 18th to the 20th, which is coming up this coming weekend. It is the uh, National Hall of Fame of American Football, Mexican National Hall of Fame. So there's going to be a lot of excitement there. And just there's stories there as well. So check out uh, Facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Like I said, weekly updates, breaking news, and inspiring stories there. Um, The the games were canceled in uh, Gridiron, Queensland, due to weather. It was supposed to be uh, more uh, more time. Bay Raptors versus Bayside Ravens. It was supposed to be... uh, Gold Coast Stingrays taking on Griffith Thunder and those games were canceled for safety reasons of course so we're going to go into week 10 October 27th which is uh not this week but the week after it'll be the Gold Coast Stingrays will be taking on Bayside Ravens Griffith Thunder will take on Moriton Bays and then um, as we go into week 12 we'll see how that affects the standings at this point but uh that's details that we got from Gridiron Queensland on the situation there, as well as Gridiron New South Wales. Um, this weekend, we'll get those scores updated for you. The Phoenix taking on the Sydney Rebels and uh, the Act Diamonds taking on the Sydney Lions. And as soon as we get those details, we'll go ahead and post them over on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed as well. And so Opal Bowl 6 will happen in, in December. So that's what they're striving for in uh, Gridiron New South Wales. Gridiron West, as it happened this past weekend, as we just talked about. So uh, the Perth Perth uh, uh, Blitz continue to roll, 31 to 0, and the Rockingham uh, Vipers 14 to 6 on the Perth Broncos. Uh, that was week two. Week one, it was Curtin Saints 18 to 6 over Swan City Titans, and then October 6, uh, Rockingham Vipers fall to the Perth Blitz, 24 to 20. So two weeks in. This coming weekend. Um, This coming weekend on the 20th, week three, Curtin Saints taking on Rockingham Vipers. Rockingham coming in with some good momentum. Now we're going to see also uh, the West Coast Wolverines taking on the Perth Broncos. Perth Broncos looking for a rebound win here. Wolverines first first game out and looking for a big win for them. So we'll keep tabs on week three of Gridiron West as well. And over in Austria at the uh, Austrian Women's Football League, uh, last weekend, the results were uh, Budapest Wolves. Uh, it was six to zero over Telf Patriots. They improved to two and zero. And then we also had the Swats Hammers fall to the Salzburg Ducks, thirty-two to six. Coming up this weekend, it's going to be the champion Dacia Vikings taking on Budapest uh, Wolves. There's a clash of clashes. This is a big time rivalry, and it's the two best teams in the Austrian league. And both of these teams have won championships. Uh, Danube had won 2013, uh, just won championships there. And then Fest, uh have been finalists in the past couple seasons as well. So big class this coming week, Dacia versus Budapest. The week after, it's going to be Swats versus Telf. The battle of who can get the first win of the season. So that's been pretty exciting there as well. Um, Let me see what other notes I have in the women's game. Uh, besides Czech Republic, we talked about. Um, so we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, our, um, and Serena Films will be bringing you the unstoppable legacy of the Toledo Troopers. So as soon as we get details of the event there. And Victorious the Movie featured um, was featured in New York this past week. So as soon as the full video and everything comes out, we will share that as well. And that was the story of the 2015 DC Divas. And that was spotlighted uh, with the Dallas Elite, I guess, and the Boston Renegades' featured background as well. So that was Victorious, the movie, as well. Uh, the Queen's Football League out of the Netherlands uh, action will return. This is October 28th. It'll be the Flevo Foxes. We'll take it on the Rottenham Ravens. And then uh, on September 30th was Week 1. It was Amsterdam Cats, 40-19 to 19, over the Rottenham Ravens. So we'll keep up with the action there as well. And we have action down south as well uh, with uh, the Monterey Football League by Lexa. And we'll update that as we get updates as well. So uh, the only other championship to be decided uh, going forward is going to be in November as well. And that's going to be the playoffs of the Copa da Sport in Brazil. And that's going to be Sanup Coyotes taking on uh, the Brasilia Pilots. And then the Rio de Janeiro Riders picking on the Curitiba Silverhawks. The winner there goes into the championship. I believe it's going to be November uh, 11th, um, if I, my notes are correct. And so we'll keep tabs on that as well. So that's up to date on the women's game. And uh, the only other league that we have, where we're have we covering right now is Limpa. Uh lympha out of Mexico. It's a legend-style league. And that kicked off on September 22nd. And then uh, so week three... Uh, week I'm sorry, week four this past uh week we'll keep you we'll keep updates up for you on Twitter as well. And it was the forty one to seven victory by the Angels of Guadalajara. We're one and two right now against the Sentinels, one and two. And then you have the Jets rebound with a twenty four to nine win against the West Angels. You can get the highlights there on our Facebook page of the matchup there. And a two and one Jets now. Uh the West Angels are three and one. And then you have the Velo uh, Raptors uh lose 21-6 to six versus the Valkyrias um, and San, San Luis Potosi. 3-1 Valkyrias in terms of the record. 1-1 one one, LLC Raptors. And this coming weekend, we'll keep you updated on week 5 to get the updates there as well. Jets versus Vipers coming up this weekend. And there's a bunch of three other matchups that we can go with as well. So uh, pretty much up to date on that. If you want to go to the hub, go to Facebook.com for Size Square and Beauties. Check us out also on Snapchat at Beauty for athlete takeovers and no-joke football brand specials. You can also follow us on Instagram for amazing athletes and moments in women's American football. So a pretty awesome weekend of football between the end of college and women's game. Still a lot of action happening. Off-season tryouts still going on for a lot of teams in the WFA. So if you need information, you can go to wfaprofootball.com. WFAProFootball.com, and then all the, uh, you know, information is there by team, by region. You can look it up by state. Uh, Over 80 teams in the WFA at this point. There's also tryouts happening in the XFSL in Texas, the IWFA in Texas. And I believe the WNFC is also holding tryouts. So you can go directly to the WNFC site and you can get the uh, links to the teams in the uh, WNFC And the WNFC announces this weekend uh, its final two teams, uh, the Phoenix Prowlers, which will launch in 2020, and then they added the Las Vegas Silver Stars as well um, to the roster of the other teams that they had on the uh, slate for 2019. So it's pretty exciting there. So we'll keep tabs on the WNFC as well as the WFA and all the other leagues in Texas and also uh, the WWCFL, is also in tryout mode, so you can always follow them as well. Western Women's Canadian Football League. Uh, the Maritime Women's Football League is on Facebook only, so you can follow them there as well. So off-season tryouts in Canada and as well as in the States. Uh, FXX Mexico uh, will be kicking off, like I said, this coming weekend or so, and we'll get details up on that, and that's full kit. And then also FXL, down. Uh, that's Legend Style, will also kick off there. So we'll get all the results there on our Facebook page as we get them uploaded and uh, as our network updates us. So uh, great show today. We had Michelle Braun here in the house, kind of giving us perspective of 20 years of playing in the women's game here in the U.S. with the Minnesota Vixen, going through various leagues and transitions, and she will be inducted into the uh, Women's uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame in Las Vegas, uh, coming up here in about another 60 days, and she's deservingly so and she will be there as well, and we'll look forward to all the highlights and everything about the event there. Uh, Mackenzie went through with NFL as well as college, and so uh, we'll catch you here next week right here on the Blitz. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast via uh, Apple Podcasts, and you can leave a rating there for us. You can also uh, s- uh, subscribe to us on TuneIn app and right here on Block Talk Radio. So you've been listening to the best podcast, covering Wins American Football and NFL News Weekly right here, the Gridiron Blitz. Catch you here next week. So for uh, Troy Wilson, uh, Luis Bean, Holly Custis, and Mackenzie Brooks, this is Oscar Lopez saying have a great night, everybody.